0: You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Mike Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And I'm a Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. We thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support and see some ways you can help us out. For episode seven, we've got a lot of great topics. And
1: first up is we're going to talk about freelancing in music. So tell me about Fiverr. Okay, so Fiverr is this online platform where people can um, offer services. For yeah, starting at five dollars and then going upwards for some extras, or if you need some high quantity of whatever that is you're producing or the service you're you're offering, and um I've been watching it f- closely for some time, and um i've I've seen some things on YouTube happening that that actually originated from five or some memes of people who are who are doing like video testimonials that are quite fun. And then I thought, yeah, maybe there's something that I can do on there. That's like, okay, I only need like 20 minutes to do something. So maybe I can get five bucks out of it. So, um, I was, I was, I was planning some things and then I, I noted, um, some things down where I, I, it came down to three things that I'm right now offering on there, which is, uh, one of them is, um, writing harmonizing melodies for people. So if somebody's has a song and he's got like this lead vocal line that he wants to, Extend on, then yeah, I'm just offering being like, yeah, okay, uh, here, there you go. You, here's some melodies that would work nicely with this melody, and I can sing them for you if you want, but I can also play them on this instrument or with, with a synthesizer, whatever you like. And the other two are like, um, putting, uh, if people want their, their, their vocals vocalized through a, through a classic vocoder or through a modern vocoder, then I can put it, uh, through my vocoder and i i got like four sounds for classic sounds and for modern sounds and people go like yeah i want the sound a for this bar and sound b for this bar and then they can i know craft a daft punk song if they (laughs) if they like well i'm kind of just
0: interested in sort of the the context of this of monetizing small amounts of audio work and it's not like a full service studio you're not you're not recording entire tracks or mixing entire albums. It's, it's really bite size. You just need this one chunk done, and you want to outsource it. Um, I think that's interesting. And uh, that's sort of the, you know, as apps have sort of been chunking small parts of previously large applications, you know, everything that Microsoft Word does, there's a tiny app that does one piece of it that you could get for your phone. And it seems like that kind of chopping up is happening in every single service industry.
1: Yeah. And I've seen, um, I've seen people who obviously have a home studio or act- working in a, in a studio in general, um, that outsource like, okay, I'm going to mix one song for $5, but I can also master a song for $5. And I can, uh, I don't know. I play the violin. I can play, uh, one minute of violin for your song. So you have got actual great, uh, great piece of violin in there. That's not, uh, not a sampled instrument. And so like for everything you can imagine in music and production and recording or composition, even, There's somebody on there who's going to do it for you for $5, which is, I think, amazing because I I actually thought about the the first money I'm going to make maybe to reinvest it in there to get some some actual string uh, instruments or some background vocals. A lot of people are doing background vocals and voiceovers. And, of course, there are other categories, uh, but uh, I was mostly focused now on, on music. And maybe I'm going to do some something else. I know that I could do some video editing, but I think the overhead for that would be way too large. Uh, whatever it's going to be um, that I'm going to edit, I think $5 would be a lot of wouldn't be enough for to to constitute like uploading gigabytes of video even if I was going to edit it yeah. for 20 Yeah minutes. even if you just like I will
0: export your video to the right bitrate it's still yeah. maybe 5 bucks isn't worth that effort
1: Yeah <laughs> No so so I, I just thought about okay what can I do that I was thinking like okay $5 I I just want to be able to do it in 20 minutes tops and that that includes like correspondence with with the people and I got to say that 5 I actually really is very good at streamlining the process of like okay you've got an order now he wants somebody wants this and here's the sound file that you're going to process i can just start ableton put it in there yeah bounce the track and upload it again and i'm done so and to be clear uh
0: uh, fiverr is much more than just music services it's any sort of task that you can negotiate over the internet and so like i mean i know lions his twitter avatar is a pixel art portrait and I he got that over fiverr and there's like a dozen different people that'll draw your portrait in pixel art and there's all sorts of little services like that sometimes sometimes it's not even like a digital good but it's like i will you know i have a successful podcast and i will say a 30 second ad for whatever you know given certain conditions he's not just gonna read anything but um, there's lots of interesting little monetization of little small efforts and I don't know like do you is this sort of like oh I just want some spending money or a little extra on the top but like it it doesn't seem like something you could scale into like a full-time income
1: by any means um some pipe, some people actually did that and they like this one guy I don't I don't remember the name but um it's it's one guy who's doing testimonials and um there is this scene of video editors who are doing these uh, mlg meme uh, videos where they uh, cut together mundane stuff and put dubstep under it and uh, where where it looks like a call of duty video and there's this <laughs> one guy they are always hiring to to do a testimonial of how good their their youtube videos are and it's quite funny to see and this guy actually is i think that's now his main income because he's doing like Fifty videos in a day. Mm-hmm. He's, you can always see the queue of people. How many? How many artists are already in queue? And he's got like when you go in his profile, it's mostly ten to twenty. And um, yeah, and but other people are probably just have have all of that distributed among a lot of small services that I can do. Yeah. And, but I guess for most people, it's going to be a side gig. Uh, I know for me, it's going to be, it's like, okay, now I've got a few bucks because I, I got my first order the other day and um did some, I, I did some sound design for the guy on the house because he wanted this really retro sounding vocoder and he didn't have the vocal sample. So I actually had to rap it myself. So this is the first time I'm rapping and <laughs> there's going to be music out there with me rapping through a vocoder. <laughs> and. It's also worth
0: pointing out that five, even though $5 is like the basic unit cost that Fiverr lets you set higher level services, 10 or 20. I've seen even up to like $40 for like, Oh, you you know, I'll, I'll do a quick harmony, but if you want me to do a three part harmony over the course of an entire song, then obviously that's not $5. And, um, you can have these like, it's, it's not a stretch goal. It's like a stretch thing you can pay for.
1: Yeah. And. I have seen mostly and I I did, I did this myself where I thought okay so this is going to be my main service but that's not in that that's too much for $5 so I stripped it down for the $5 gig and if you pay the those 10 extra dollars that's the thing that I actually came up with where I thought that's the thing I'm going to do but $5 wouldn't have been enough so yeah, yeah you, you you can be quite flexible in the pricing there and um as long as you can get it done quickly I think it's always worthwhile to do and it's not like I'm sitting here all day like come on give me some orders it's just like oh there's some order okay let me just do it quickly and then I'm done with it and I've got some more spending money it seems like a good way to to cover a
0: a night out drinking or an extra video game purchase here and there or some equipment purchases that are smaller or as the case may be all your your cosplay supplies yeah Yeah,
1: that's true (laughs)
0: Well, that's cool, and then you've also linked here. Uh, it seems like these kinds of little microeconomy
1: digital communities are popping up everywhere. And another one is a game dev market. Yeah, so a friend of recommended me uh, that site because um, he's, he's doing some work for an indie RPG, and I think that he they actually found him through that site. And a friend of his uh, is there as well, and he earned like I don't know some some. Three to four figure sums already through that side alone. So, um, you can go there and pretty much get anything a game developer needs. And one of those things, of course, again, is music. So, um, a good game is only so good until you add some amazing music to, to, to make some great atmosphere. And it's like, you can go around there and be like, okay, so this sounds great. I want to buy that for. I don't know, $30, and then you get, get music for your game, and the, the person who who offered that music is going to be happy that his music is going to be used in the game, you got a bit of money out of it, and yes, as you just said, it's all these little bits and pieces um, from game development that you can outsource there, or just get crafted uh, yeah, a la carte, maybe, and also, just to get uh, it's it's also a portfolio for a lot of people, I guess. So even yeah. if you if I'm all around there and be like, okay, so this this guy makes some great music, but he hasn't got the the thing that I want on there. I'm I'm just gonna contact him and 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 set up and set up a, like a, a custom gig for that, and maybe gonna make some music for me. Yeah,
0: because
1: I could see that of like
0: you like what someone did, but the the thirty dollar thing on the market is you're not going to get exclusive rights to that song. That's something offered to anyone. So the same song you choose may end up in 10 other games. And, you know, at a certain level, you, you might not like that, you know, maybe your first game, you don't care. It's like, Oh, I just want to ship a game. But eventually you might have aspirations to be like, no, I want my thing to be unique. And, but then if you liked what that guy did, you might go and contact him and negotiate. And you're going to pay more for like a custom exclusive soundtrack. But um. At least you would have that trust and, and basic confidence in what someone had made, and y- you'd seen what
1: they'd done. Yeah, I think it's a, just a great way to get a foot in the door for for both sides. So for the game developers to to actually get something finished in all aspects of game development, and for the com- for the people making the music to to get their name out there. And it's one of those cases where you can actually say, yeah, you're going to get some exposure out of it. Oh, uh, the, the ever present exposure argument. Um, yeah. I actually retweeted some
0: the other day about, um, he had rejected some big, and this wasn't like a tiny gig. It was like some big project because the offer was, we can't pay you, but you'll have exposure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he got this really horrible response, um, email. And so he posted, he, he anonymized it, but he posted the response and the email was basically like, I'm going to give you another chance to answer better and decide to do this gig for no money for exposure. And I think I, I like the, even though you might be like, well, if something like Fiverr reducing and cheapening the cost of things, but um in a way it's better than the current market of where you're fighting tooth and nail for clients to pay you anything and, the, and promising you the moon of all these intangibles, you know, all this yeah. value that will come to you because you did it for free and, um, I think artists have to struggle against that a lot, where people don't value your
1: services. <laughs> yeah, which was why I was quite surprised that some somebody would act has actually paid me already to to wrap into a vocoder, and it was so so the main gig was five bucks, and he added extra uh, ten dollars extra because I would do it overnight, and I actually did it while I was writing to him, so the gig was finished in like two hours, <laughs> nice. and. So of course Fiverr takes takes a portion of the money, then the money goes through PayPal who also take a portion of the money. Uh you always have to account for that, but all the troll I mean, bridge trolls along the way. <laughs> yeah. But there's just no way to get around it. I mean even with, with Bandcamp, I'm always uh it it's quite sad that even Bandcamp still has to use PayPal. I always would be happy if they would could be able to switch to something else. But uh, I guess not in a Not in in the near future.
0: Yeah. So our next topic is uh, related to freelancing, which is one thing you can do kind of on the side or to pay the bills as a a musician. But kind of this whole question of, you know, thinking about the place of music in your life. Is it something that you would love to have be your entire occupation? Um, Or is it it kind of relegated to a side gig, a passion? You know, you come home from work and then you work on music, but it's not... Doesn't pay the bills, it's not the bread maker.
1: Um how does that fit in your life or how are you thinking about that? Um at this point, uh it's obviously a side gig and it's always gonna be a side gig for me. And I'm pretty happy with that. When I when I got out of school, I was in this phase where I was like, Okay, I'm really gonna try. I wanna I wanna make music and uh I'm now in a band and we're making music and we can record it ourselves now looking back at it, yeah. The way we recorded was quite shitty, so <laughs> there wouldn't have really have been happening a lot of with that. But yeah, I was like, um, I want, I want to do music now. I want to do music exclusively. And then it took about a month until I realized that nope, that's probably not going to happen <laughs> that quickly. And then I, I thought, okay, maybe so. I'm going to study music. So I was actually. Going to study computer science and music and I prepared for the exam and I did the exam, but already when I was preparing for it, I noticed that just focusing on music and having to do it every day and forcing myself to do it. And especially then with studying music, forcing myself to play things and learn things that I don't enjoy myself. So the things I learned for the exam, some classical pieces, I'm, I'm just not a I'm just not into classical music. I mean, I, I respect it, and I I can a, I can get some fun out of analyzing it, but I don't really have fun playing it. And that's what I noticed. Like, okay, maybe studying music is also not the right thing for me. I'm just gonna leave it as a hobby and still have some fun doing it. Then, yeah, it's the same dilemma for me that I'm. I, I very
0: passionately enjoy music and and doing it and creating it and listening to it, but. I'm so terrified that if I made it like my income and tried to force that, that I would start to hate it or there'd be so much overhead involved in getting that machine to run that I I wouldn't have any energy left for the creative part of it. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I mean, some of that may also be just rationalization or, or fear of success or something like that. As long as I just tell myself it's just a hobby on the side, I'm not responsible if it never goes anywhere. And it's kind of like yeah. hedging your bets against yourself. But um, really, I mean, whenever I've been in a position to, you know, record other bands or produce other people's stuff, um, I, I burn out quickly because. Sorry, other people. I don't care about your music. <laughs> I mean, I, I care about good music to listen to it, but in general, the, to always be immersing myself in random other local bands and re- recording their stuff. I, I just don't, don't care. Don't like doing it. It's not my passion, I I'm, I would just find myself constantly going, I'd rather be working on my own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's where I like to apply my skills. I mean, I could see, like, you've got me interested now in maybe the Fiverr kind of thing where you can segment a very specific task where it's like, I'm really good at this, I can churn this out, why not make a few bucks helping someone out, you know, in the spare time you have between other things. But yeah i am pretty happy with this balance of I have a stable job a good job, and then I can spend all my outside of work time doing creative stuff and not feeling responsible for making it be my entire income
1: yeah yeah and and this thing said, it's it's there's two aspects in it anyway so and and one on one side I would be scared of having a writer's block and just being uh, having to depend on being creative and then there's all this managing overhead where you can of course you can say i'm going to get a manager who's going to take care of it but he's also going to get kind a of cut of your money and then <laughs> yeah. uh, you, you might as well do it yourself but that's also a lot of work work that not everybody sh- could be skilled in and you could be the greatest musician but horrible at marketing it and there there's just too many variables for me so i think I'm never going to really do it as a main occupation. Uh, I, I always thought that um, I, even with our bands, we've often been asked, like, how how can you guys not have a record deal any, already? Um, and that's quite, quite flattering. But um, even if the label would have asked us, I would have been like, no, sorry, I, I got to work and I got to study. And I, I can't promise you to churn out, like, one album a year and do the gigs in er- in all of Europe, even if you were going to promise me that and all of that was true and I could live from that. That's just not what I'm going to do because in five years I'm going to be back where I am now and <laughs> I want to have an education until then. <laughs> so on another topic, I read an article the other day. Um, the, ca- the title of the article was called Electronic Producer Cheats Real Musicians by Making Complex Track on Complicated Software It Took Him Years to Master and i was quite surprised that it wasn't the onion but uh, another <laughs> site that uh, that is quite the same as the onion it's like um uh called called underground music so i guess it's the the onion of music articles and yeah the article is about this cliche argument of uh people who are doing real music or as i like to call it handmade music because that's that's the thing in in german um advertisement of music so when you we can, when you get a TV ad about some guy's CD. They're always, um, proclaiming that, yeah, this is real handmade music and just <laughs> listening to it. Yeah. Um, there's a synthesizer in there. This thing is over compressed. There's a lot of limiting. This is not handmade. If you handmade is something else for me, but it's, it's about this, this cliched argument of, yeah, you're just making bleeps and bloops on your PC. That's not real music. You're You're not a real musician because you don't play an instrument and. Of course, the the whole art article is Jad exaggerating the thing, and the the guy who's the, the pseudo guy who's making this argument says something like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're just making this, those computer noises, but you're not playing a guitar like me. I can play these three chords over and over again, and play a lot of songs with that. And yeah, yeah, it's just a stupid argument to make."
0: Yeah, I, I don't have a lot of patience for people who want to declare that there's only one way to do something or one true way um, to do art. Um, it's just narrow focused. I, I it's dumb. It's. I'd stupid. rather be
1: inclusive than than do yeah. that. Yeah.
0: But this is really great satire. So there's some quotes from this. So these are fake quotes from this supposedly angry, real proper musician yeah. saying, "For me, if you're not using an instrument, then it's not making music." Um, said David, lambasting electronic music as piss-easy computer music that a kid with a joystick could make accidentally. There's no skill or talent involved. All it is is sitting at a computer where you source and create sounds, which you then arrange and master to form a complex and interesting track that's most aesthetically and emotionally pleasing. Piece of piss. <laughs> yeah, piece of piss. I, so, I like
1: the the line about the joystick because um, uh, Tim Exile, an electronic musician, he actually, uh, he programs the synthesizers and effects himself. And he once programmed, uh, it to be controlled by an actual joystick. So at one part of his gig, he goes through the, walks through the audience with a joystick and starts, uh, he has a microphone on his headset and, and is doing like random effects on it. So I was kind of reminded of that. And then I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, a random kid can do it on his joystick and it can still sound good. And that doesn't make it anything less than other music. <laughs> yeah i mean where i mean where do you draw the line on what counts
0: as real um if you want to make that short-sighted argument because i could see people saying like well you can't produce albums time-shifting parts you need to have everyone in the same room with all the mics and it needs to be a live performance and then it's like well are you allowed to overdub what effects are on it are you allowed to compress that result am i am i allowed to double my vocals because i only exist once yeah. And so I, I just think it gets absurd really fast. And that's why very early on when I thought about this the first time, I was like, Oh no, this is obvious to me. The end result is the only thing that matters. Yeah, And you know, I, I do have respect for the, I mean, there there is an aesthetic to the live recording and there's examples of that, that are really amazing. And I'm not discounting that. It's more just, I'm, I'm just pragmatic. It's just like whatever gets you to the result you're going for. Um, and I mean, in the, the Beach Boys episode of Some Pulp, also on sunriserobot.net, um, we, we talk about how Brian Wilson kind of set some of these production constraints free because he, he, he wanted to layer 15 voices and do all these sorts of crazy out of order productions and he did them and everyone loves pet sounds and it's amazing. It's a landmark in recording history. So. Yeah, I mean, I know this article is satire and trying to exaggerate, but I've heard people talk like that before, and there's an element of like
1: not the onion, like you said, like people actually sound like this. And if you scroll down to the comments, you're going to find people actually arguing about the the topic in very very seriously. So all the cliches you get in the article, yeah, you can find them again in the comment section. And, uh, yeah, and going back to the, to the, the cheat part in it. So, uh, I was just, what you just said about, uh, the, the end results. That's all that matters. Um, I think it's the same thing with production tricks in general. Not like, not, not only I'm going to overdub some parts, but also, um, I'm very okay with people auto tuning their vocals. I auto tune my vocals here and there because I don't want to sit down and record them twenty times or forty times. Yeah. I want to be done after the fifth take. Take the one that sounds greatest and is very close, and then fine tune a few notes. Because otherwise, I mean, if you can't sing at all, even auto is not going to help you, and you can't, you're going to be able to hear that. But auto tune itself is not a bad thing. Also, sometimes when I record a, a rhythm guitar part and I'm, I'm doubling the guitar. Yeah, I'm going to use Ableton's uh, warp mode to to actually align the rhythm so so every chunk, chung chung from the guitar is actually at the same place. So um, I just don't have the time and I don't want to be sitting one hour doing that. I mean, you can say, okay, you you should practice more. And I'm going to do that. But once I notice that I've got some shortcomings here and there, yeah. I'm going to practice on that. But in this very moment, I want to, want to go through my creative process. I want to make this song. I don't want to bog down and... and and have to perfect this one thing now i mean i could still do it later but at some point i'm gonna get sick of my track and i just want to get it out of there so i'm not claiming to be a perfect musician to play the perfect melody lines and sing perfectly so i'm just gonna do what takes me to my goal and make a great song and absolutely i'm never gonna boast about being the best vocalist ever because yeah, I'm 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 using AutoTune. I'm not I'm not perfect. <laughs> no, I'm totally with you. On uh, I agree with all of that. So, yep, <laughs> yeah. I think we all agree on on this article. Then <laughs> uh, that's that's some that's some bullshit. Okay. Yeah,
0: and I I, I guess one more point is that I really do think that software is the future of music, and. I think you're crazy to think otherwise, um, and that's I'm, I'm just part of me. Just to stay relevant in the whole universe, is I want to keep investing in software approaches to songwriting, even if I still use real, you know, meat space instruments um, as much as possible. It's always going to go into the box, and um, I just think, yeah, you're you're arguing for horses when cars are on the way. <laughs> So uh, along this lines, I, I do think there are some things changing in the, in this world of, of mastering music. And, um, last episode we talked about mixing and, um, mastering. I, I would put in air quotes as I, I talk about what I do as mastering. Cause I don't have a, a, a perfectly treated acoustically treated room with, uh, exact neutral points to sit in with, uh, the right kinds of speakers pointed at me. And, um, you know, a neutral environment to properly evaluate the the feel of a mix. And, uh, you know, if you're an unfamiliar, traditionally mastering is about the consistent feel of an album to make sure track to track, it all fits together. Um, some of it's very mechanical, like, Prepa- like literally mastering was preparing for the press, whether it was vinyl or CD. And, you know, it had to do with some of the, you know, the busy work of like, are you, are the tracks in the right order? Are they named correctly? Are they, you know, where are you putting the slice marks between songs? Like the mundane stuff, but it's also kind of taken on a meaning of make it loud, make it compressed, um, make it sound consistent in terms of sort of some last second EQ changes just polishing
1: it up in general
0: yeah and really that's what i think of as mastering when i do it myself in my not ideal environment and in full you know air quotes around mastering um it's about that those finishing steps of i've got the artistic result i want and now i want to make it you know for better or worse i want to make it loud and and ready to go for the public well i mean i didn't know like we could so with that definition set up where we're not claiming to be mastering engineers of the first order but we're we're thinking of a more pragmatic diy artist doing what he can with what he has
1: um what kinds of things do you do when you when you master it's all about at least getting it to, to some to some volume that can compete with other tracks, because I, I actually got that for, with my the first CD I ever produced with my first band of people saying, "Yeah, your CD is so quiet." So people are actually gonna notice that. They're gonna notice even more if the tracks on your album aren't a consistent uh, consistent volume. So that's probably the most important thing. You can always claim I wanna I wanna preserve the dynamic range, and I wanna want it to be loud. If you want to listen to it loudly, just turn up the volume. And but at least have the the songs on the album about the same volume and with about the same yeah equalizer on it so so they you don't have one bass heavy song and one that's it's all up in the treble and uh but every anything after that I think it's everything goes that doesn't completely destroy the song so unless you're over compressing it which we talked about and some people are gonna like that and some people don't but. Unless you're destroying the song, I think everything's fine. And especially for for the indie artist who just wants also wants to get a song out there and um, just have have something finished and call it finished. Uh, you you know you don't have to spend two hundred dollars on a mastering engineer. That's that's what I think. You can do it, and if you want to really get into this whole thing, you should probably do it. But um, yeah, for my purposes at least. I think it's alright if I could just slap Nikki on there, tweak it some some bit. Yeah. And it also helps uh if you're doing it yourself. A lot of people are uh, always saying you, you sh just shouldn't master yourself uh master your own songs, period. But uh if you leave some space between mixing the song and then come back like a week or two later with some fresh ears, it's I think it's always gonna be fine. And um and the other thing, as you said, I don't also. I also don't have an acoustically treated room, so I'm mixing and I'm mastering on headphones, and I know <sighs> that yeah, kill me. <laughs> and uh, I know there are a lot of shortcomings with it. The the, the stereo field is like a lot of a, a whole lot wider, but um, I mean, I'm I'm still ref, uh, listening to my mixes on on other systems to to check how it sounds on them. So, and there are also plugins and ways to to um, so you can mix on your headphones, and it gets a little bit closer to mixing with monitors but what i'm just trying to say is that for most people who are just doing it as a hobby and just want to get their songs out there it's perfectly fine to do that and i bet 80 to 90 percent of people are really not going to notice a whole lot of difference
0: yeah and i guess i would call back to our earlier episode where we talked about Um, The whole audio chain, and if you think of your process as part of that chain and not just your gear, um, you know, you said you it's probably not worth it spending hundreds of dollars on a mastering engineer. Um, Depending on the level and the position you're in as a musician, as a DIY artist, um, that money may be much better spent on a better mic or on a better instrument and you know once you your your whole chain is amazing maybe it'd be it makes sense at the end you know you have your own studio you have all this amazing gear you're capturing very nuanced clean recordings then maybe it's worth the money for a mastering engineer to to take you the last mile um but unless you're in that position I really don't think it's the best place to spend your money and I think that's also what we're getting at is yeah you know really targeting that you would probably be better off spending that money marketing your album than um, the, you know the the marginal difference you're going to get um
1: from a mastering engineer yeah. and for maybe the mastering engineers who are listening right now who are who are already at 100 degrees and go <laughs> what what are you guys talking about now um i think this this whole point is more about uh people shouldn't beat themselves up because they can't get a mastering engineer more than telling people not to get a mastering engineer. So that's not what I'm saying. Like you should right. avoid doing it and you don't need it. But uh, if you can't afford it and if you think you don't need it, don't beat yourself up over it. Get get a quick means. There are people on Fiverr who are going to do it. And we all know that for five bucks, they are just going to slap an isotope preset on it. But if that that's what works and it doesn't sound shitty, I think it's okay for for for... for for the things that some people are doing where it's not going to end up in record stores and uh everywhere. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we had a little piece of music news that I really wanted to discuss this week too. And uh this is a a high profile music infringement copyright case. I'm um, no copyright intended. Um I actually saw that the other day again <laughs> <laughs> um Robin Thick uh and Pharrell Williams collaborated on a, a hit song of 2013, Blurred Lines. Um, a song I do not particularly like. I don't really like Robin Thicke, but, um, this verdict was, was very, uh, a very disturbing precedent. And so if you're unfamiliar, uh, Marvin Gaye's estate, his descendants had sued Robin Thicke and, and Pharrell Williams, um, for Blurred Lines for saying it was stealing or ripping off Marvin Gaye's song, Got to Give It Up. And this was more interesting than um, some of the other cases uh, because the the musical community and and sort of the the legal community thought there was no chance this lawsuit was going to hit because most of the, the the two most protected aspects of, of music in copyright law, um, according to the article I read, I'm not a legal expert, um, are lyrics and like top line melodies, whether that's the main singer's melody or a solo or some like lead instrument. And those two things are, tend to be the things you can get somewhere in the court system saying he stole my thing. Um, and it turns out the Mar- the Marvin Gaye estate won this lawsuit, even though uh, Blurred Lines does not use the same lyrics or the same melody. It, it kind of amounted to an infringement based on overall feel. And I find this horribly disturbing because if you work in the same genre as some iconic artist before you, are you now subject to their lawsuits? Um, does Marvin Gaye get to... or? You know, say uh, uh, Bob Marley get to sue every reggae band of the past 30 years, you know, his estate, because really everyone owes a huge amount of reggae influence to him. Like, um, yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to read through the article or
1: had thoughts about this. Yeah, I'm think I'm on the same page as you. It's just complete bullshit. What what happened there? And I already already saw on the internet uh people posting like pictures of, of notes and rhythms with the mm-hmm. with the um with the tagline come at me, Marvin Gaye. Mm-hmm. And it it's it's just stupid to think that, that you could cop that it should it that it could be viable to copyright something like that. She said we've got in our Western music we've got twelve notes and eight of them make a scale and there's only so many chord progressions you can make out of that and there's only so many rhythms that you can make the, where you can put emphasis somewhere on this beat or another beat and you're bound to repeat something somebody else did. Even if you, if you listen to it and do it deliberately or you just have it in, stuck in your head or you don't even remember that you copied somebody else, it's always going to happen somewhere and... Yeah, it's it's just not going to work. And as you said, it's it's scary the things that could now happen because of this lawsuit that that actually went through. Um, I think we this is not the last case we're going to see that some some people are going to be um, uh, some some. Some descendants of of some musicians, I, um, I I could see something like that happening from from the family of Michael Jackson, for example. Like, who's not influenced in some way by Michael Jackson? They're gonna probably find a thousand songs that you could say they ripped off the they ripped off in in air quotes yeah. the the rhythm and and harmonies and yeah, some some bad things are gonna happen. I'm gonna predict that now. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And I just, I, I lament if we're setting up a world where some people can own musical ideas yeah. and not just recordings, like, um, even, even with recordings, it, it gets a little hairy because there's remix culture, there's sampling. And I think those are very good transformative, um, defensible uses of other people's material and influence. Um, but, it's a little, it is a little easier to say like, yeah, you can't just like republish someone's recording and call yeah. it your own and make money. Like <laughs> that's easy for me to get behind saying, yeah, sue that person. That is, that is infringement. Um, but progressions and rhythm and chords, no one owns those. No, no one should be able to own them in any way. And, um, I, I, I kind of an analogy I would make is, um, Samsung has long, been seen to be kind of slavishly copying what apple does and i would say i would take sort of the same line samsung may be a douchey company but i i think the lawsuits apple has leveled against them should not hold up in court i don't think you get to own rounded rectangles or um you know a green phone icon or any of these (laughs) details and I mean, I get the argument is that somehow the sum of the parts is the thing they copied and you want to claim that the feel of the thing was ripped off. But everyone knows Samsung copies. It still shouldn't be illegal. And I think that's what I would feel here is like, very clearly Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams were influenced heavily by Marvin Gaye. Yeah. They said so in interviews over and over, yeah. they went on a whole press tour and that, I mean, that's how musical communities work. You, you talk about your influences and you know, you hope that you're contributing something and you're not just, you know, echoing what someone else already did. But, um, the, the, the idea that you're just going to be sued out of existence cause well, you know, you made a ska song, and there's there was a ska band once. So, oh. goodbye. Yeah,
1: too
0: bad. <laughs> I don't know why I keep using ska. I have
1: zero interest in ska. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just reminded of um, when you're writing a paper for 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 school or for college, the the thing that you always get in the back of your head of what what if my teacher's going to google some lines of that and actually somebody else wrote exactly the same words like me out of accident and now people have to be scared of that when they're making music like maybe somebody else already had that feeling but there's no search engine to search for that maybe there's a song out there that sounds exactly like mine and how can yeah. i protect myself from that it's uh yeah it's it's not good <laughs> yeah so yeah
0: yeah no, one, I don't think anyone's disputing that Robin Thicke isn't a terrible person or, or you know, maybe that's a little extreme, but <laughs> yeah. I don't like Robin Thicke, but yeah. I don't think he should have lost this lawsuit anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, I can separate and, those two things. And,
1: and a lot of people are attributing the loss uh, in court to him being a douchebag in court yeah. and... And as you just said, they, they said that they were influenced by the song. And then later on, he claimed, yeah, I was drunk or high. And, uh, I was just saying things and that wasn't true. It sounds so much like backpedaling. And I can't imagine the people sitting on the jury not being particularly, particularly interested in the case being like, that guy's an asshole. Just yeah. let's, let's let him lose. It's true. It's a, uh,
0: even if the legal structure shouldn't have led him to lose, he, he probably just was horrible in court. By all accounts, he
1: was. (laughs) All right. So I think it's time to get to our pick of the weeks. and um, I'm going to let you start this time.
0: All right. Uh, My pick of the week is the song New Theory by Washed Out. And uh, what I love about this song is, um, I guess I would categorize it as sort of chill wave or what's you know sometimes referred to as glowfy <laughs> um it's a very relaxing tune it, it kind of just just churns and and uh, bounces along it's it's kind of a bright tune it's a uh, um, it's very synth heavy it's very rhythmic um i think what i like most about it is the the synths have sort of a a buzz saw edge to them um, if you listen closely with headphones there's you know you could almost see like some some sparks but Then again, at the same time, everything is drowned in reverb and, um, another, like, production technique that I hear in this song that that became popular a few years ago. I don't know if people are still doing this trick, but like, every time the kick drum hits, you feel the rest of the song wince under it and, uh, the compression, um, affects the rest of the instruments. And instead of that being a bad thing, like normally you would be, you don't want that. You don't want, your whole mix to wince underneath and this is used intentionally as an effect so that the beat the entire time is sort of pushing back the waves of synths and then they come rushing back in like water on the beach and um i think that just kind of all works together to to just be this nice chill song so let's go ahead and listen to some new theory by washed out
1: So, did you get a chance to listen to this one? Uh, yes, I did. And what the thing we were talking about last about the compression, that's what's what I, I was immediately focused on. So, um, yeah, what's happening there is, um, so, so they more or less side chained the whole instrumental part except for the kick to the kick drum. So, what's happening there, every time the kick hits, everything else gets, gets, uh, quieter. And, um, so, yeah, as you said, a lot of dance music uses that effect, mostly on, on like synth pads and and hard hitting synthesizers. And the the technique actually more or less originated or is used. And I also use it sometimes where, um, if you got some, uh, a conflicting bass drum and a bass guitar, so they are almost in the same frequency range, depending on, on, on your bass guitar, it's either above the, uh, the kick drum or below the kick drum in frequency. And what you can do then is, is sidechain the bass to the kick drum so every time the kick hits the bass just ducks slightly so the kick gets through but the bass uh, comes back immediately so you get the note itself and some people decided to do that with other instruments and some people decided to do that with their whole mix so um i i remember purity ring love to do this so um there's where the song fades in and everything's okay and then the kick hits and everything ducks down and yeah, if you do it tastefully, and in this case, I think they did it tastefully and they did it on purpose, it works really well. I I probably couldn't listen to a lot of songs in a row that sound like this or that are mixed like this. But in this case, it makes everything more danceable. It, it just gets the song pumping. And um, I think they, they used it quite well. They, they made a right decision here to do it. I, I don't know how, how the atmosphere of the song would change if they wouldn't have done it um but i i would say that the effect that they were going for is is just that is this, this pumping mm-hmm. and and driving you and i i really like even though it's synth heavy
0: and i i wouldn't describe it primarily this way i felt a connection to kind of shoegaze music of um, the voices were more extra instruments. You don't care too much what he's singing. It's just yeah. a, it's another kind of synth in the song. And, um, the context when I first heard this song, um, I remember cause I liked it and looked it up right after I heard it was, it was in a coffee shop and it was just part of a playlist. And it seemed like, I mean, this is going to sound kind of dismissive maybe. And I don't mean it in an insulting way, but this kind of song I feel is really great as background music or you're working on something <laughs> else or, or you're just relaxing. You want something that can just kind of float by and you can just kind of coast with it. And so um, I have genuine affection for songs in that category. It's not the only kind of music I look for, but um, this is one that would go on such a playlist for me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Sometimes it's just good to have something that doesn't take your focus away from the thing you're actually doing and just mm-hmm. having something there to, to give you a musical bet for your, for your real life. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your pick of the week? Yeah, my pick of the week is the song Fragment 2 by these new Puritans. I I was actually already following these new Puritans when they when they published that song back when they when they released their latest album. And what I love about this song is they've got this this stop and go rhythm going on where you you couldn't even tell it's it's this one time signature because sometimes it's 7 uh, seven quarter notes sometimes it's eight sometimes it's five sometimes they're just going to stop in the middle and then continue on and and I, I just love that it makes it uh, everything interesting and then at this one point at about one and a half minutes um, there's some Rhodes pianos going and if you watch the video you can actually see I, I mean it's, it's not a live video but I guess that it's just two Rhodes pianos layered on top of each other playing in the same octave so you can't really quite tell the difference between one and the other and uh, because they have exactly the same sound and and I described that once with with other match rock bands where they have a guitar sound and a g- keyboard sound that sounds almost like the guitar, and the two mix together and they blend so well and it I, I just always come back to that i i mostly i put that song on because of this one part, and uh, I think we're just I'm just going to play a part of it right here. So, did you get a chance to listen to it?
0: I did, and I actually, I want to comment first just on the video. Um, I really enjoyed the, the visuals of the video, and uh so the video is just kind of a long, slow pan to the right um, across this crazy landscape outside. It's very dark, and there's like mountain a mountain range in the background. It looks almost like post-apocalyptic or just out in the desert somewhere or something, but then... Um, and eventually you're you're like into like almost a cathedral type space by the end. Um, and so the, the instrument players are just kind of placed here and there as the camera pans and you see them playing whatever it is you're hearing. And so when it gets to that moment, you mentioned of the roads, there's, there's two roads in view and you can see the, the performers playing, um, I really enjoyed that, the Rhodes piano part too. I mean, you drew my attention to it when you, when you showed me the song and, uh, just the way they kind of slowly chase each other around scale and they, they kind of dance around the, the triadic notes of the chords and, um, never, I mean, sometimes they land on a, on a note in the chord, but they're kind of chasing each other around it. And I really enjoyed that about, several different instruments in this song and even towards the end they start doing some almost dissonant notes in be- before each phrase that um we we have a sort of theme of tasteful dissonance um yeah. that we're noting and um the, yeah the the play with time signature it's this is a great example of doing something simple in a very not simple interesting way cuz there's kind of a bass chord progression in this song that gets repeated more or less throughout the entire song but they just keep adding these little twists whether it's a different instrument a different rhythm um a slight just a different feel and they 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 do just enough to carry you through the song and so it's kind of you can tell a lot of skill and taste went into piecing this all together
1: yeah Yeah, and also the the rhythm that that when when that part uh, after the roads joined in the, the drums actually start playing a little bit more so before that it's mostly the kick drum playing and then the drums start and and mostly I guess because of the time signature the, the, the groove that the drums are playing I find it really interesting. I think I'm I'm never gonna get it all in my head to, to play it just uh yeah. Um, to, to just play it without having the notes in front of me because he's changing up the rhythm every time. Every single measure is different, and he's hitting the snare just a little bit here, and then just a little later in this bar. And it's you can always listen to it and find something new in there, and and all these little details. As you said, it's it's like masterfully crafted song. Just the composition. I mean, the, the mix and the mastering makes makes it a whole piece, but. It's just one one huge song that you can you can already hear that there's a lot of planning that went into it. Yeah, so definitely
0: check out the video too because I'd say the video holds up well with the the production quality of the song itself. They're a nice pair. Um, and with that, we have our episode episode seven of Bits and Pieces. Want to thank you so much for listening. Um, there are a couple things, uh, some things you should do. Number one, check out our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash seven. We'll have links to the articles we talked about, to our Spotify playlist where every week we're picking new songs and we keep them all into one Spotify playlist. So definitely subscribe to that. Um, If you're just listening to the show on the web, um, on our website, uh, please consider subscribing. Uh, We have an iTunes link, but we also have a a regular RSS link. So if you have a, a podcast app you like to use, um, subscribe and you'll get every new episode automatically delivered straight to your phone. It's a great way to stay up with our show. couple more things. Um, we're on iTunes, as I said. Um, if you would leave ratings and, and even a review if you really like what we're doing, um, that goes a long way to helping us uh, find new listeners and find our audience. And uh, we're also on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash robot. Um, you can actually directly support the network. And uh, that helps us keep producing new episodes and uh, keeping the lights on. And special shout-out to our Patreon supporter, Bruce Edwards, for supporting us. Finally, we love feedback from our listeners, and uh, we're active on Twitter, and that's one of the best ways to get in touch with us. So follow me, uh, Mike Edwards. Uh, My Twitter handle is Music. And you can follow Matt at Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And, you know, tell us we're wrong, ask us questions, send us cool songs. Um, We love all sorts of interaction.
1: But mostly tell us we're wrong.
0: Yeah, mostly that. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.